do we grow as Christians? At Bellwether, we want to raise leaders for Christ. This month, our sermon series is called Raise, as we want to give you specific ways to grow in your walk with Christ. Join us on a Sunday morning as we raise leaders for Christ. y'all let's praise him in prayer heavenly father thank you for the one who has paid our debt and i know and believe there there are probably some here today that don't even think they owe a debt i was one of those for a long time Uh, i pray that well i give thanks you sowed mercy to me you give grace to us help us to realize what jesus has done uh, not just in his resurrection but in paying the price Uh, on the cross. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your grace. Let us know your grace. Let us not just sense, but see the beauty of it and be raised to new life here and now today, all because of Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Thank you all. Go ahead and have a seat. Uh, If you have your Bible, you can turn to uh, Ephesians, Ephesians 4, and I'm going to read verse 7 through 16. Uh, this morning. Before we, we do that, we are in this, uh, this series that we're calling Raise. It's one word, Raise. But uh, it reflects the vision of our church to raise leaders, uh, which we're doing today in baptism, uh, who raise families. We celebrated our life as a family last Sunday. We celebrated today with a joining who raise the kingdom, who go out on mission. Uh, whether it is organizing for a garage sale uh, to raise money uh, for churches around the world in Honduras uh, and India, uh, or whether it is growing a community in relationships uh, and healing relationships, healing uh, marriages, that is what leaders of Christ do. And our reason for being is to raise leaders, Matthew 28 19, Acts 1 8, uh, for Christ and for His cause and His kingdom in the world. Today, uh, we focus on the letter I. Each letter represents a way that we believe an individual, a life, is raised up as a leader for Christ. And for us, I is invest uh, in your church. I want to emphasize your because we believe that uh, when you join uh, Bellwether, you're not just part of the family, but this is your church and we want you to invest in it. Uh, your time, your God-given gifts, your resources. And we believe that that's not just something for Bellwether or for Christ, but that you will benefit in a mighty way, as I'm going to talk about, by using your God-given gifts here at His church. So that's our focus today, and we'll tie it into baptism. But let's read Ephesians. Ephesians 4. Ephesians is one of my favorite books, although it's a letter in the Bible. Starting with verse 7. So Paul writes, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower parts of the earth? 
He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministering, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. We'll come back to that, but I want to start with a question that was asked of me and to several pastors uh, this last week. It was by another pastor, and he asked us, he said, do you preach each sermon as if it was the last sermon you will ever preach? Do you ask your hearers or listeners uh, to listen as if it were the last sermon they would ever hear? And so when I heard that question, I thought, man, that's a, uh, it's really a great question in terms of how I should think about uh, each Sunday and what I am going to say. But then I also thought, you know, it's kind of a little bit, and I, I use this word like morbid, because I don't know about you, but I don't like to think about death. I mean, I mean we, we talk resurrection, uh, we know it, and, you know, I'd love to be like Paul, let me be real honest, who says to die is gain. Uh, but, you know, I'm still operating in a lot of flesh, and so I, I'm not where Paul is yet. And so when I think about that, I'm like, man, I mean, I miss, you know, my kids and my loved ones, and there's still so much to do. Uh, but then, again, I realize, as we all do at times, how fleeting life is. And uh, a person that, uh, that several folks know in this church family uh, died tragically Thursday night in a car accident and, uh, and left uh, a daughter, a uh, young guy, you know, all of life ahead of him in that uh, we don't know how much time we've got. And so in thinking about that, you know, God, by the Holy Spirit, does convict me about like, you know, what if this, this Sunday, this sermon were your last week? What are the words that you would share? And do we listen? And i got to preach to myself too. Do we listen? Because the Holy Spirit works uh, through words and through people. And he works here. And so if that were the case, you know, I'd try to ask the question. And it's the most important question of all of our lives. And that question is, why should you uh, give your life fully to Jesus Christ? Uh, now, you may have heard that a lot. You, may, you know, Sunday school, answer, response. But I mean, like, really, truly, for real, why should you give your life fully, totally, completely, physically, and what we do and act and what we say, uh, emotionally, in our thoughts and in our love, I mean, psychologically, mentally, everything to Jesus. Lay it down. Why should we? 
A lot of us know, hey, that's what the Bible says. A lot of us may think we have, but why should we? Let's hope to try to answer that today. Why should we? Because life in Jesus is life-giving. Life-giving. I just want to hit one verse. It was the first verse I read. But grace was given to each one according to the measure of Christ's gift. Grace was given to each of us. I love the, uh, the song. Uh, I don't know which song it was, but it was something tied to grace. And I was thinking about how it ties to the grace that has been given to us. We, we don't realize the debt that is paid. We first don't realize just the grace of, of being here and, and being alive and being a part of God's creation. Let me, let me tell you what I mean by that. Um, I love like you know scenic vistas and beauty, uh, the grandeur. Uh, whether it's the sweep of the ocean uh, or majestic mountains. Uh, I love, and, and some of y'all have probably had this experience, you know, I, one reason I love deer hunting, quite honestly, is I love going late afternoon, and I love, you know, the end of the, uh, the year, the light goes down, and, you know, it's just a different light, and it's almost, and especially if you hunt, I know we've got some Delta boys out here, but you're out in the Delta hunting, and, you know, it's just, it's vast, and you see these stars, and, you know, for like a moment, you kind of get picked up. Y'all may not have this experience deer hunting, but I'm just saying, for a moment, you kind of get picked up, and, and you're not like, you know, thinking as much about the, you know, maybe some of the daily cares and concerns. You're like, man, I'm just part of this grander cosmic scope of life. And, um, and I know many of y'all have seen that, maybe not in deer hunting, but the grace that, I mean, that's grace, that, that we get to feel that. I mean, we're feeling, you know, the presence of God. And let me take it to the most intimate of levels. Uh, That is uh, love in a relationship. And and I'm thinking right now about a child, uh, a child who could not care for himself, um, you know, my 20-month-old, that I'm nurturing and loving. But, you know, where does that love even come from? Well, yeah, he's your, your, your boy. But, yeah, but I mean, like, you know, why do we feel that way? I mean, don't you realize that the grace in that? I mean, we're, we're given... And this God-given blessing and grace of love, of love for our children, of love for our spouse. Don't you get the beauty of that? I mean, that has to come from somewhere. I mean, it's not like, you know, it's not like somebody else who in humanity gives us that. I mean, we're, we're born with this, this love. It's grace. And all that can happen before you even know Christ as Lord and Savior. And then it gets really good. Because then, then you realize you're a part of something much grander and that there's God who does love you and has died for you and has saved you. Romans 5, 8 says, this shows God's love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. This is the gospel. God's love for us. Even when we err and do wrong and even in the midst of this brokenness, God still is reaching out for you and and loving you and calling out to you and saying, come to me in the midst of your fears, in the midst of your anguish, in the midst of your confusion for meaning and purpose, come to me and I will give you rest. And then it gets even better because a lot of us have been in the valley. A lot of y'all are in the valley right now, today. And we're like, where are you, God? You know, I mean, I, I got you. I even got baptized. But like, like what's going on here? And, and you know, where are you? I don't, I don't sense you. I, I mean, I'm having trouble even, you know, following, you know, what the preacher says to read my Bible. I'm even having trouble, like, feeling part of the, you know, the family. They love to throw that on Sunday morning. But, you know, I'm just not, you know, where are you, God? 
I want to read a quote, and this is from a mentor of mine who, um, who's been in the valley, and is in the valley, the valley of physical illness. And he says, and I, and I hope you hear this uh, for those of you who might be in a valley today. You, it's personal, God says, you, you're in my hands. There's nothing that you can do. God, he's not, he's not against you, he's for you. And you have all the evidence right here. You've been in the valley and you found him there. There is no news you'll get that will take God for surprise, that will cause an emergency in heaven to break out. God is already there. He is already confident. Regardless of the news, you will not, in the long run, lose. I don't know if all of you believe that. I pray you do. But I do hope you get a sense that uh, even in the darkest valleys, I mean, God is not surprised or shocked, and God is there. And our deals aren't causing this emergency in heaven. God's already there. And when we have Christ, and I cling to Romans eight twenty eight, that all things work together for good for those who love the Lord and are called, and y'all are called, according to His purpose. And I cling to Romans eight twenty eight as should you. Jesus gives life. I mean, why should you totally just give it all to Him? He gives life. He gives life before we know Him. He gives life when we begin to know Him. And He gives life as we grow in our strengths and in our trials. Not only does He give life, He changes life. Life with Jesus is life-changing. We talk about gifts. We talk about what we've been given. Let me say this. All of you here today are very, very gifted and blessed. And, and I'm not talking just about living, you know, where we live, which is awesome, or you know, having the things we have, which is awesome, or, or being able to send our kids to school, or, or being able to worship without the threat of authorities like busting the door down, or having, you know, for, for most of us, you know, I mean, we're not fearing, even though I began the sermon this way, we're not fearing death like coming at us this week. I mean, there are many gifts and blessings that we have. But you also have these other gifts. Uh, gifts of faculties in your mind. Uh, of uh, physicality. I mean, literally just walking. Uh, shaking someone's hand. Uh, but some of y'all are more athletic than others. Some of y'all are better softball players and all that. But you're given gifts of the mind, of the body, of the will, of the spirit. Even before you know Christ, you have these gifts. It's a blessing. But when you come to know Christ, and I'm going to start throwing this word out, like I love, there is a supernatural change. You can't really get or grasp or understand Christianity without the supernatural. I mean, we believe a man died and came back to life. I mean, that, that's a supernatural deal. And the same thing happens when you accept Christ, receive Christ. You start changing. I mean, the Holy Spirit starts working internally from the inside out to develop you as a man or as a woman and develop those God-given gifts for Him and His kingdom. And this is what Paul is saying right here that we just read. He goes on, verse 11. He breaks the gifts down really into five big categories. 
He gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Uh, I don't just believe this. Look, I know. I mean, if you're a Christian, you got at least one of those five, uh, possibly two. And like, what are they? I'm, I'm not like, I didn't walk in here to be all of a sudden, you know, called apostle, uh, or, or certainly not pastor. I mean, that's your deal. Uh, or I can't teach. Well, it, this is easier to see when you kind of understand the breakdown. Apostle, then, and what Paul was talking about, is a gift really of oversight, uh, administration, uh, managing things uh, and people. Apostles that day literally managed churches. The apostles were over a lot of the churches. Evangelist is a gift where, you know, if, when you are going to bed at night, or maybe you're daydreaming. I mean, do you think about, like, as a Christian, uh, people who don't know Christ? Uh, maybe they're here in Jackson. Maybe they're elsewhere around the world. I mean, does that, like, keep you up at night? And you also have this heart, and not everybody's got this gift. Again, there are five gifts here. But you have this heart to, like, interact and talk to non-Christians, non-believers. And, and you can, like, do it readily and easily. And it's not like, you know, you know quoting the sinner's prayer, which we believe in, or asking, hey, you know, if you did die this week. You know, you know it is, it's just a way, a mannerism that you have that is gifted to go and evangelize and reach the lost. Prophet. A prophet's gift, you don't have to, like... You know, you know, be prophesying or be preaching and proclaiming to people, but you can do that one-on-one. And a lot of times, this is just simply, I believe, speaking truth uh, into a life. It's also a gift of seeing and sensing. I mean, going again to the supernatural, I mean, you see the spiritual side of things uh, for good and for evil, and you can speak into a life or speak into lives or speak into a group, but you have that gift. Pastor is more pastoral, like the caregiver or the person who, you know, just loves people and just wants to hang around people and listen to people and pray for people and take up their concerns and, and you know, just say, man, I'm here for you, bro. I'll always be here for you. Call me. Call me 24-7. And teacher is, is probably the most clear of them. It's just an ability to teach. It doesn't mean, you know, teaching up here on Sunday morning. It can mean teaching in a group. It can mean teaching one-on-one. You know the gospel, you know the good news, and you can teach it in a way that helps people understand it. If you're a Christian, you've got one of these gifts. You probably have two. I always say you've got a major and a minor, just like in college. And if you would like to know these gifts, let me just throw this out. Our staff has taken, uh, we've done some like tests and inventories that, that show you like what's your major, what's your minor. And man, we can help you because... I believe one of the reasons the church exists is to help Christians discover and use their gifts. So we do. Let me just say, I mean, our reason for being is raising leaders. We would love to help you discover your God-given gifts, and we want to help you use them. Now, if you take the order of service, if you you grabbed one coming in here today, there are are multiple ways on the front in in different, you know, italics about ways to serve this church. And we tie this into invest in your church, because if you're a member here, this is your church, and we just want everybody serving in one way. In one way. And there are different ways you could serve there. I mean, there's graphic design. I mean, do you, do you have an artsy frame of mind? I mean, we love that. We need some good graphic designers to help us with stage design and, and art and all that. I mean, do you love kids? We've got, we got to raise up our kids, family ministry, our youth. Do you love 
missions. I mean, some people just have a heart to go. Man, let us know. That's a way that you can serve the kingdom and serve here. There are are many ways, and and we want to call today, because like I said, if you're a member, we don't want you to just, you know, come in Sunday morning, you know, come to church, leave. We really want you to invest here and give of yourself, because we believe that you will discover gifts. You're like, how do I discover gifts by teaching Sunday school? There's an opportunity to minister to a child. You know, how, how do I discover gifts by just even going on a mission trip? Well, maybe you'll see that you have a heart for the world that you didn't even realize. Maybe you'll see you can even communicate with someone and you don't even speak their language. I'm, I'm not saying it is, but the Holy Spirit is working in a supernatural way, but He does so. I always say God's plan, you know, is the church. It's plan A. There is no plan B. So it has to happen in a local church. And we want to happen in your church where you, like, own this place and you're serving, but you are discovering your gifts. I mean, it also happens, quite frankly, and you know I'm open and honest about this, in the, the giving. And I'm talking about, you know, the financial giving of the church. And I believe God calls us, and the Holy Spirit starts working us. I mean, the gift of making money is really a gift. It, it's a biblical deal. And some of y'all have the gift of making money. And, and those of y'all new here say, okay, this is getting uncomfortable. This is all that, you know, everything that I ever heard about church, you know, ask for money. I'm not going there. But I'm going in the reality of money is leverage and capacity. And I know for me as Bellwether, I want us to have a great kingdom capacity in Jackson and around the world. And so that takes capacity. That takes leaders who will give of their time, of their talents, of their tithe. And so I ask you, if you want to make a global difference, I mean, we're already rocking on that, man. I mean, Honduras, India, but also teaching, worship, family, youth. I'm asking you to invest your life, all of it, in your church. I'm really just talking, gang, to those who call this place home. I want everybody to serve, everybody to give. Last thing I'd say on life changing, you know, I've I've actually read a lot um, on leadership, like not Scripture, Bible. And, you know, one thing everybody says to be a leader is tie your life to something greater than yourself. And so you see this in like, you know, leaders like, well, I'll tie it to education and join, you know, teacher corps or something, which is great. Or I'll, I'll tie my life to uh, study of, you know, pick it, the law profession and do a lot of pro bono work. Or, or medicine and, you know, be medical missionary. I mean, I've known medical missionaries who, you know, weren't even saved, quite honestly. I want to frame that though, man, tie your life to Christ. And his kingdom. I mean, all of our life, we're looking for meaning. We're looking for purpose. We're looking for love. We're looking for happiness. Correct me if I'm wrong. And I know some of you will after this. We are looking for that. A Savior, Jesus, and his kingdom. If you tie your life to him, you will find purpose. You will find meaning. You will find happiness even in the valley. You will find love. He is life-changing. And then last, he's life-giving. He's life-changing. But in Christ, it's about life sharing. You are not alone. Some of y'all need to hear that. You are not alone. In Christ, you have a relationship with the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. They are not alone. It's not just like God. It's the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And you're tied in now to this relationship with Him. You're not alone. But you get more than that. You're not alone in His church. Paul continues. Pick up verse 15. He says, Rather... Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, 
joined and held together by every joint. That would be us. We're joints. With which it is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Life sharing. We are truly, this is not just a word we threw out. I mean, he created and destined his church to be a family. And there are two types of family. There's Big C Church that is like the church all over the world. Uh, I was blessed with an opportunity to have dinner with a pastor couple uh, who are planting a church in Dubai. Dubai. And so they have a heart and passion to reach Muslims for Christ. And God has already blessed this work that a sheik, and if you don't know about Dubai, it's really basically run by like I think seven sheiks. A sheik uh, gave land, which is really hard to come by and pretty expensive in Dubai, gave land to this church. Now they don't have a building yet. And we're going there in November, some of us. But I had dinner with them, and man, I could tell, man, I mean, it's like, they started saying, man, it's hard. It's, these, these Mississippi folks, you know, it's like, it, it, it's hard. I got three kids, and there's like, you know, you really got to take the long game in mind here. I mean, they, you know, they got a handful of folks worshiping on Fridays. When I say a handful, I mean, I'm talking like 40, 50. And they've been going two years, and I was like, you know, man, we're in, we're in the Muslim world, the Middle East. You know, we're trying to start a church. And, man, I was, just, I was trying to encourage them, man. I, I even said, man, I'm envious. I mean, y'all, y'all are literally, like, expanding the kingdom of God. I was like, I'm envious, you know. We're in the Bible Belt. But I have a heart for these folks. I want to pray for these folks. And, I, and God was telling me, man, you just encourage them. Encourage them. And I was saying, I'm envious, man. I want to bless what y'all are doing. And we go over there. I said, we're going to bless them. But so we're part of that church. They're family. They're family. I mean, maybe differences and, you know... This or that, but man, we're, we're family. And then there's a the little C church. We're family. And God calls us to be family. And, and I love what Paul says here. I mean, he, he's, speaking, he's speaking to me. I don't know if he speaks to you. When he says, you know, speak the truth to one another in love. I mean, meaning that, you know, man, we're here to be in relationships. And, you know, we get the, get the honor to speak into people's lives. I'm not just talking about me as pastor. I'm talking about you. And really, as we grow, we can, we can see things like, man, I don't think you need to go there. I mean, not literally, but like, go there and, and what you're doing. How, you know, man, come back, man. Or girl, you know, or girlfriend, or guy friend, whatever it is. And to speak truth in people's lives. And, you know, sometimes, I mean, if you can't have, like, hard conversations. I mean, hard conversations internally. Man, I mean, I don't know if we're going to grow together. And that's what, that's what God, that's what Paul is writing about here, that we grow together. It's interesting. He says, speak the truth in love. And then he ends, verse 16, in love. But the whole deal is about building up the body, building one another. Literally, y'all are helping raise leaders amongst yourselves in your service, in your knowledge, in small groups. I mean, talking about Scripture, our men's group, our women's group, small groups, serving in worship, serving in greeting. And we've got to do this. That's his church. It's not just a come, you know, man, check my stamp, you know, or, you know, once a month, hey man, I got my, we're trying to, trying to build something different, but something real, and something that is in the Bible, gospel-centered, the church, the real church, and that's what we want. So, why would you give your life to Christ? It is life-giving, it is life-changing, and it is life-sharing. But I want to say one other thing, and I want to read you a quote that meant a lot to me, this is, uh, God put this book on my heart. I read it while I was in Honduras. It is called uh, Death by Living. 
And it's got a big wave and a surfer. So Dr. Jack Moriarty would love that. I don't know if he's here, but he, he's our surfer dude. And uh, it's written by a guy named N.D. Wilson. And he literally talks about that, death by living. And that some people can just really live and not know life. He's a Christian too, so he's been and also not know true life in Christ. But I want to read a passage, and this really spoke to me about... Well, it just spoke to me. It's about, it about life and death and how we should live. So he writes, he said, If life is a story, and it is, how shall we live? It isn't complicated, it's just hard. Yet it's all about taking up your life and following him. Let me say that again. Take up your life and follow him. Then, face trouble, pursue it, climb it, smile at its roar like a tree planted by cool water, even when your branches groan, when your golden leaves are stripped and the frost bites deep, even when your grip on this earth is torn loose and you fall among morning saplings. Shall we die for ourselves or die for others? For most of us, that question is rarely posed in our final mortal moment. Although when it is, there is glory in it. Death is the finish line of this preliminary race. Shall we cross the finish line for ourselves or for others? The choice isn't waiting for us down the track. The choice is now. Death is now. The choice is here. Lay your life down for Him. Your heartbeats cannot be hoarded. Your reservoir of breaths is literally draining away. You have hands, blister them while you can. You have bones, make them strain. They can carry nothing in the grave. You have lungs, let them spill with laughter. With an average life expectancy of 78.2 years in the U.S., I have around, you have around, 250,000 conscious hours remaining in me in which I could be smiling or scowling, rejoicing in this life, in this race, in this story, or moaning and complaining about my troubles. I can give my fingers, my back, my mind, my words, my breaths to my wife, my children, my neighbors, or I can grasp after the vapor and vanity all for myself, dragging my feet, afraid to die, and therefore afraid to live. And like Adam, we will all still die in the end. Living is the same thing as dying. Living well is the same thing as dying for others, as he died for us. Why should you give your life to Christ? It's life-giving. It's life-changing. It's life-sharing. So many of us, I'll throw me in there, spend a lot, a big portion of our lives trying to make sure we don't miss out. Uh, miss out on uh, great experiences. Miss out on that uh, great guy or gal, that, that perfect soulmate. Uh, or our kids not miss out. School, sports, uh, the friends that, that we plan for them to have. Listen, last thing I'll say. In Jesus, you will never miss out on anything. Without Jesus, you will always be missing something. The choice is simple. It can happen in a moment. Your life can start today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks for life in Christ. I give you thanks for the life we're about to witness I pray a, a life-changing uh, power and faith and grace on this church, on this specific Little C Church and its people, 
that they would want to grow in Christ by the power of your Holy Spirit. They would see your beauty. They'd see your love. They'd see the meaning when they can just, and the freedom in laying their lives down. And they'd see life differently. That death is not the end. That in Jesus, we will never miss out on anything. And we will go on and be together as the Big C Church. But while we have this time on this earth, let us be committed to grow, to preach with actions and words, to live for Christ. And we do so together with one another and with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to our Bellwether podcast. Join us next week in our race series as we see why it's important to be part of a small group of Christian believers.